Christy Kay. Welcome to Business Life After Hours, a podcast that takes a deep dive into real-life topics at the intersection of business and life. After the workday ends, that's where we pick up. Our topic on this Business Life After Hours podcast is finding your deeper alignment. This podcast episode is for anyone who's feeling like something needs to change, for those who may need to crack their deeper code in work and in life, and who also may need a toolkit to do so. My guest is the founder of Together We Seek and Tech Savvy Women, and she spent a great deal of her life focused on helping women succeed on their professional paths, particularly in male-dominated careers. She's a tech expert, an author, a speaker, and now she's here to help us all step up even more. It's JJ DiGeronimo here to enlighten us. Welcome, JJ. Hello, hello. Yeah. Thanks so much for being here on Business Life After Hours. It is a true pleasure to have you here. Oh, I'm thrilled to be here with you today. Thank you. Absolutely. So let's set the stage as it ties to your work in the tech field and primarily with women. So what did you see and feel in your career that gave you this passion to dive deeper into the topic of women excelling, or maybe I should say not excelling, in male-dominated fields? Oh, well, I definitely think there's an influx, that's for sure. But I have to say it really didn't hit me until I made some really serious life decisions like, yes, I'll marry you. Yes, we can have children. Yes, I'll move to the suburbs. And when my career was not my only focus, I realized how much there is for women to do and how difficult it is for them to really stay aligned to their truest self while really being the force of nature and the leader they want to be in business. Oh my goodness, yes. You are echoing so many of my sentiments and thoughts. And I feel like while many of us succeed and we reach our C-suite positions or executive roles within organizations, what is one thing that you would say holds many women back, maybe the most in business and in life? As much as most of us don't want to admit it, we have an enormous amount of self-doubt. Many people refer to this as imposter syndrome. But the reality is is that many of us do not feel like we should be in the seats that we're in or don't really believe that we have as much as we really do have to contribute in some of these positions. And so many of us, regardless of the level, uh, often doubt our value, our input, and even some of our thoughts and things we want to participate. Because in many situations, much of the corporate America is really defined by masculine energy. And so women have so much more innate knowing and wisdom that oftentimes don't find themselves or find those tools at the conference table. Mm -hmm. So we sort of um, give way to others' opinions, others um, kind of that, that energy that comes, whether it's in the boardroom or in some, you know, in a corporate meeting of some sort, we sort of give into that or maybe we hold back I would say we hold back, we question ourselves. Some of us have um, innate knowing that we just don't tap into. A story that comes to mind, there's a book I love called The Soul of Money by Lynn Twist. And she travels all over the world, meets with tribes and different um, different groups across the whole world. She was, trying, she was working on many philanthropy um, initiatives and nonprofits. Um, initiatives and one of the things that she found is she went into this place in Africa and they were running out of water running out of water and of course the tribe was run by men but when she met with the women they knew they knew where the water was they knew where to drill they knew how to really they knew how to really find the water 
but the men did not value their voices and they had no real seat at the table. And it was Lynn that actually created a bridge for women to share their wisdom and really tap into a water source that was unknown to really the men in the tribe up to that date. So I feel like women have innate knowing that oftentimes they feel uncomfortable or don't have the opportunity to share. Ah, ha, ha. The opportunity to share. I love that. So if we are peeling back the onion of our lives, let's call it. So it's almost like we get stuck maybe sometimes in the first few layers. And maybe that's expectations. There's this expression I use once in a while, like I am who I think you think I am. There are societal pressures. There are labels. There are people we maybe have in our circles who don't allow us to speak or use our voices as much. Um, but we never perhaps allow ourselves to get to those deeper levels. So how do women maybe let go of whether it's getting stuck in expectations or labels, uh, maybe it's needing to achieve, but how do we go deeper into those energies and those layers within? Yes, yes, this is a great question and one that's really teed up my third book because I had to really dive deep myself. So before I could share the wisdom, before I could really share the tools and strategies I've used to sidestep the external metrics and the external validation that I so strongly held onto for so long to define who I was, uh, it wasn't until I essentially jumped into entrepreneurship that a lot of those external metrics I had to leave on the side. And I really had to figure out who I was, what made me tick, and how I could sidestep how I could sidestep that self doubt. And I think for many of us, it usually is uh, a compelling event, or in sometimes a tr- a tragic event that forces us to really dig deep into who we really are. Mm-hmm. So, if I may ask, what was yours? Well, my. You know, my initial one was that I left my corporate job after 20 years and I moved into entrepreneurship. So that was my first level of sort of ripping off the Band-Aid. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, life happens and you have family situations and you have significant other situations. And there were a series of personal events that happened that really had me questioning, who was I? What did I really want to work on? And what was underneath sort of those layers of protection I had created for so long. Mm-hmm. Now, you and I have talked a little bit prior to the podcast about roles that our fathers, our mothers, our peers might be playing in getting stuck or hanging on to those um, kind of validating pieces. So why do we feel often so compelled to say yes to too many things, to overcommit? Do those yeses preclude us from reaching those deeper levels or maybe even mask what we don't want to know or what we don't want to dig deeper into? Yeah, so let's start off at the beginning. So some of the relationships that we have experienced as children definitely impact our decision structure now. We carry these stories with us that Brene Brown dives into so so beautifully when she Love talks her. about like the stories, all oh, me yes. too, the stories that we tell ourselves. And one of my favorite books of Brene's is Rising Strong, which mm-hmm. really talks about the stories that are on replay in our head that often not only drive our feelings, but most certainly drive our decisions. And if you want to change the way that you show up, 
oftentimes you have to dig through those stories. Like, what are your money stories? What are your stories that your parents told you about how you showed up and what they essentially praised you for? And how does that show up now as an adult? So many women I talk to in business, especially the ones that are on panels and in C-suites, many of them have had significant relationships with their fathers. And their fathers are the ones that talk to them about business and their roles and what they could do in the world. And I would say nine times out of 10 in the panel, most of the women in strategic positions have a stronger relationship with a father figure that really encouraged them to kind of push through the boundaries that um, some of us experience today. That is so interesting. And what about mothers? Does that relationship play into this as well? Yes, some of the mother relationship. I had to write two chapters in this book about mothers because that, <laughs> I, there's such mixed emotions with women and their mothers. Um, but what a common thread is among most of them, what a common thread is among most of them is that there is some sort of strong, strong energy with mothers, whether it is with how they feel about them, how much they see them, what their mothers have done, what their mothers have told them, what their mothers have told them not to do. Women have a hard time shaking the relationship they have with their mothers. Uh, and it really defines how much in a lot of ways, um, I hate to say it, but a lot of ways how much they like themselves. Hmm. Wow. So that's a very strong, strong influence. Now, conversely then, negative roles with fathers or maybe less interaction? Are you finding in some of your research that if it's sort of the, the flip side of that, that um, that maybe women aren't as strong, aren't as confident in, uh, in reaching their goals and achieving, if you will, uh, in the workplace, if their relationship with their father isn't as strong? So I would say that none of my research is formal. All of it is informal. I've been in women's groups since 2000. Eight, I've been participating in women's groups, and this is just an observation that mm -hmm. I've collected along the way. Mm -hmm. Very many people might write me and say, you know, that's not my experience, but I would say when I, when women get on stage and talk about their experiences, I seem I tend to see a common theme. Now, I'm not researching or meeting with every woman in the audience or every woman, you know, in in different industries or roles, but I would say that there are some threads. Uh, of stories or situations that have happened as children that have really catapulted us or even held us back in the workforce. Mm -hmm. So what I'm suggesting is that usually the situation you are in now is not an accident. It is usually comes from somewhere deep along your path, usually as a child, their stories. And I think sometimes you need people to help you kind of dig through some of these stories to help you maybe release the energy or reset the story or even sidestep the story to get to your next level of impact. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I think sometimes too, before we get into that a little bit more, I want to talk to you about fear. Fear can be paralyzing, demoralizing, shaming, but it also, I, th I feel it also can be a motivator. So when we as women feel fear and when we know it exists and maybe more than it should exist in our lives, how can we use it as our motivator as we start to maybe dig a little bit deeper? So I'm with you. I'm definitely diving into fear a lot more in this book because I didn't realize how strongly fear has a hold on so many of us, men and women. But to your point, there is, you know, kind of two sides of the fear coin. There's one that actually holds us from moving forward because we are in fear of not being good enough, not doing it right, mm -hmm. uh, looking foolish. So uh, true. 
right? And then there's the opposite side of fear where we're running from something, right? We're running from being poor. We're running from, um, from not from not being good enough in the sense that we overdo it. We have a form of perfectionism. And so fear can show up for us in different ways, in different situations. But I feel like many women that I talk to uh, really are assessing, they're assessing their fear, they're assessing the level of fear they have for a particular situation and whether they're going to step in, dive in, or hold themselves back. And I think monitoring your fear level and understanding where the fear comes from can really be a great insight of how you move through your life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Painful as it may be at some points, I suppose. But now let's talk about women and risk-taking. So not stepping in or stepping up to their next level of success Um, I know sometimes you talk about self-sabotaging, those sticky floor syndromes. Tell us more about that and why it happens. Mm, Yeah, that's a good question. So it's interesting because I really did not plan to do a lot of work around self-efficacy or even imposter syndrome when I was writing my second book. But I read about 2,000 articles, um, research papers, and industry documentation that talked about where, that talked about where women were in the workplace. And I believe that so many women have more to give, more to do, more that they want to accomplish. Yet many of them are doubting their smarts, their voice, where they can contribute. And the research led me to reaching out to Pauline Clancy and her business partner that developed the imposter syndrome, which at times they call imposter phenomena. And that it's really a diagnosis or a study of how we participate. And it's equal among men and women. However, if you partner that with some of the research done by the Confidence Code, they talk about women taking fewer risks. And the situation that ends up occurring is that when you take fewer risks, you don't have the opportunity to build your self-efficacy. And self-efficacy is having a vision for where you wanna go and believing you can achieve it. And the beauty of self-efficacy is it's learned, but the only way that you can grow your self-efficacy is if you take on opportunities before you're ready. So essentially stretch projects, things that you're not 100% prepared for. But many women are waiting to be 100% prepared before they leap in. So under that circumstance, many women don't create opportunities to build their self-efficacy. And self-efficacy has been defined as one of the key criteria that the National Center of Women in Technology researches of why women stay in STEM-based careers. Hmm. Oh, this is fascinating. Wow, right? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yes, exactly. So I don't want to say it's a fear of mine, but a thought of mine is this, that I will get to the end of my life, let's just say, and I'll clearly look back and I'll see this fork in the road that at the time, let's say I was just painfully struggling with it, and I ultimately didn't take the risky path. And then like in hindsight, I'll see that I should have. But then maybe it was out of fear, out of comfort, out of lack of future clarity. I just didn't touch the risk. So if we have listeners right now that are in that situation, if they're looking to shift to a a risk-taking or a lower fear mentality so that they don't have regret or maybe they, they feel less like they've settled or they didn't, you know, kind of getting out of that, I didn't achieve enough in my life, how do they kind of 
maybe for the rest of their lives break out of that and know when it's the right time to take a risk and when it's not? Well, that's a really great question. Really great question. And I mean, I have been writing about this for three years. My next book is coming out here in the fall. And I feel that it really has been a journey and it's one step in front of the other. But recognizing that I had to undo my stories before I could really leap in the direction I desired. And that really made me dig through what was holding me back so that I could understand where those fears and energies were coming from. And sometimes you can do that by yourself and sometimes you need a little bit of help. Mm. And I think for many of you sitting out there that may be thinking, you know, I do want more out of life or I have more to give. I think making a list or just creating a vision or drawing a picture or sending yourself a voice note of kind of where you want to be at an instrumental birthday party. So whether that's 60 years old, 70 years old, 80 years old, you know, what do you want to have accomplished in your life? Because this is something I did with a career coach in 2012. Actually, it was 2008 I did this. And that really gave me insight to the work I wanted to do while I was here. So I wrote down what my six-year-old birthday party looked like, what I had accomplished, what my bio was at that point. And much of what I wrote down didn't have much to do with what I was working on in that year. Mm. And it really gave me insight to where I sort of felt like I wanted to take my life. And I think it's a great exercise for people to sort of remove the boundaries, remove the expectations. If you had a blank sheet of paper and let's just pick 70 years old, what does your bio look like at 70 years old? What have you done? What have you accomplished? And then think about where am I in that process and what are things I need to start to do now to kind of make that so. I love that. It's that GPS you write about so often. And I just think that is brilliant because, you know, while while goals and life situations occur along the way, you still have that roadmap, if you will, to to refer to and to say, okay, this is going to be adjusted a little bit here, a little bit there. Yet I still have those same thoughts and visions and, and, and mission statements, if you will, about myself and goals that I want to achieve. So that's that's just great. Now, when you were digging and undigging and getting into your story a little bit more, were there certain things that you uh, that you encountered personally that you were like, okay, I, there goes that voice again. There's that story I'm telling myself again. Was there anything in particular that you ran into that you were like, okay, I need to shift that mindset? Mm. Well, personally, you know, I didn't realize this, but I took a lot of my parents' relationship into my relationship. When you grow up with your parents, you're around them for so long, it's hard not to take some of their behaviors and mannerisms from their relationship into your relationship. Mm -hmm. So I think personally, that was a huge uh, opening and awakening for me. And I actually worked with a woman that does um, tapping. So Peggy Kohler up here in Northeast Ohio, she was an accountant and she really got into energy practices and I met her along my path and I went to her when I really was trying to sort of dig under my own stories and she helped me sort of tap into things that I was carrying with me for decades. So personally, that was super helpful. Professionally, I didn't realize how much I defined my self-worth based on my title, salary, the company I was working for. And where all those were taken away, I really had kind of gone through bouts of depression and sadness because I didn't know how to like myself without these accolades. Mm. And that took me a long time to figure out, um, probably six, seven years. And at times I'm still working on it because your ego 
comes with your human body and oftentimes it's trying to protect you, but many times it acts like a barrier for you to kind of move forward because it doesn't want you to get hurt, not realizing that we have the same base of fear, you know, whether we're going to step out, step out in traffic or, you know, kind of go for the next thing. And I think for many of us learning mindfulness practices that keep us aware of how our mind is guiding us can be incredibly insightful because you can my mind is a freight train and the stories that I tell myself on a regular basis really can act as obstacles and even block my path if I, if I allow it to. Mm-hmm. And using the freight train analogy, they also can be sort of that engine that really drives you and pushes you forward, which I love the, the, the courage that you've had to really face a lot of those personal um, stories that you've maybe weren't so, so helpful, if you will, going forward in your life. But I, I sometimes feel like risk-taking is tied to our confidence, our intuition even, our, you know, maybe even premonitions or thoughts that we have, or, or maybe if we don't take risks, something tied to self-trust. But I, I also feel like there is a point in our lives where we have achieved, we have made our mark, we've done all that we can do, and now we feel still that something needs to change, that, that the needle needs to move again. So what is that feeling? And I know when you started writing book three, um, you were probably putting more of a label on that or kind of starting to identify what that really is. And then what can we do about it when we have that feeling of like, okay, I know there's something here. There's more. There's there's that that that, that freight train, that, that engine that's driving me to something, but I'm not sure what that is. Yeah. So my freight train is really, I mean, in a lot of ways, has taught me a lot and it's given me an amazing experience. But that driving to the next level was very external. And so you will talk to, you could talk to, and I've talked to many people that have the right, that have amazing titles and amazing experiences, but they don't have a lot of self-love or joy, Hmm. right? They're so So busy focusing on, right? They're Mm -hmm. so busy focusing on where they've been or where they're going that they don't know how to drop into where they are. Mm -hmm. It's almost like accomplishment. You know, they're trying to accomplish and achieve and prove. And, And you see that in them from the outside, but then you also see from in them that they don't have that depth of kind of introspection and joy. Yes. And I do so many events and I'm a speaker at so many events that I actually saw so many women essentially sitting like outside their body like they're so driven externally that they've lost their inner compass and so I put together an overnight women's retreat to talk about everything we didn't talk about in the conference centers uh, and the event space right so get your feet in nature let's do some sound bowls by the lake let's um, get some healthy nourishing chefs to join us let's do some tapping let's do some um, really kind of just sitting in your own skin and I would find that not only do women love it but how little they do it because we're so externally driven that we're getting we're trying to get there so often Mm -hmm. that we've completely separated ourselves out of like our full being Mm -hmm. and that it is very very um can be very detrimental to people i mean that's why there's a lot of depression a lot of people can't sleep a lot of people Mm -hmm. feel just so disconnected is because they've completely separated out their beings. So, wow, is that fascinating. And and you say get there. I often wonder what is there, quote unquote there, and then also kind of like why, to what end? Um, and I love the fact that you've written two books and recently completed the manuscript for your third book. Congratulations on that. That's incredible. I mean, Thank I know. You. I think this yeah. is the real work. This mm-hmm. is the real work. I feel like the other two were great. Right. My first book is really about having young kids and trying to keep yourself established and moving forward in your career. 
And I that was the working woman's that. GPS, correct? The, the yes, yes. Yes. Because yeah. I thought that was so difficult of just keeping everything going in the right direction. And then my second book is really for women that have been in their career for a long time and want to get to that significant next role. And how do you turn a no into a yes? And that was Accelerate Your Impact. Yes. 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 I purposely named it Accelerate Your Impact and not like how to get promoted or how to get on a board because I feel like different women want different areas that they're interested in really throwing their energy and momentum. And I think for every woman, it's completely different. But whatever it Mm -hmm. is for you, if you're trying to get to that next yes, that next level, that next step in where you want to create um, impact that you need to have a workbook or a game plan because working in your career is very, very different than working on your career and you need to have a strategy. Mm-hmm. And this is a great strategy, both of your books thus far. And as an author myself, I recognize that achievement of writing a book is incredible. And I celebrate your victory and your accomplishments. And I'm just basically happy for the rest of us because we get to have the experiences of your messaging and all of those thoughts that are in your brain that are now on paper that we get to we get to uh, reap the benefits of. So, um, and I know you've had a, a, quite a journey, as you've described, of self-discovery and you've sought kind of spirituality, energy practice. Tell us more, you mentioned tapping, you mentioned more about this book number three. I'd love to know if you've always kind of tapped into that. You've mentioned perhaps the evolution that you've had based on your life experiences, but tell us more about how you kind of found this, this I'll call it a new journey or this, this continuation of, of, your, of your train moving forward. Well, as I mentioned before, and I really appreciate it because, as you know, it's so much work writing a book. And really, for me, books are really just sharing the journey that could potentially help another person. And this journey is the last six years of really tapping into other sources of information to not only find sort of not only find my nuggets, but to help me align with how I want to show up in the world and how I can do that not only in a meaningful way, but also a unified way that I feel better about myself, that I actually enjoy what I have to offer and that I'm not so driven or defined by these external metrics that I've been taught so early to strive for by a variety of people. Uh, And I think for many of us, we know there's more. We know there's more to our life story, but Oftentimes we just have to slow down a little bit and look around to what is crossing our path. What things are happening along the way that maybe we should pay a little bit more attention to. For me personally, I don't, I have to dive in really deep to get any type of awakening or shifting. <laughs> and so I have really been on a mission to understand, you know, my stories, my area of interest and where is that coming from and is that the healthiest space and is it really where is the best use of my time and I think for many of us slowing down often helps us create more alignment but having people to help us is instrumental and for me energy practitioners that have helped me kind of dive through who I really am and what drives me has been instrumental might not be for everybody but I have visited about 60 different energy practitioners, light workers, healers. And the whole goal is like, who am I and what is holding me back from stepping into my fullest potential? Mm-hmm. When you say energy practitioners, give us a, a little bit more uh, of a description of that so our listeners can understand mm. kind of how they would look into that if interested. Well, most of us know some 
anybody who goes to an energy practitioner or something, but it's anyone who's really helping you just tap into your own energy. So whether you go to a yoga class or a Reiki session or um, you decide to go to a sound bowl or maybe you want to get into some jaguar dancing or maybe you want to follow astrology and the moon signs, whatever it is, it's really kind of about really grounding yourself not only in your human body but also in Mother Nature and the wisdom that comes along with how you know, even the evolution of nature, right, from the seasons to the animals to, you know, kind of everything that's around us, it is perfectly orchestrated for us to really step into our higher calling. But oftentimes we're distracted by this, we got to get it done energy. And it really is up to us to slow down and allow ourselves to decouple some of those getting there mentalities, getting it done, getting there, getting to that next level, and really allowing us to kind of it in the energy in our body and the energy around us to really give us guidance on how to move through our lives. And as silly as that may sound to some, there is such peace in that, that if you're feeling exhausted, depressed, have high anxiety, can't sleep, these are all kind of indicators that what you're doing is not aligning with who you are. Mm -hmm. I did notice that producer Chris jotted down jaguar dancing as a note <laughs> as a note to self <laughs> so he's checking into that more um, but listen you brought something up too uh, I know I said this in my book my book was for girls 11 to 17 but that there are these nuggets these glimpses of insight whether they're little messages or thoughts that may show up if only for a moment in your life but that could be revealing if if only we take the time to pay attention to them they're like little nudges and I feel like what you're saying is if we can follow those a little bit more or see those and start to dip into this alignment journey and really even be aware of it, um, that's kind of the first step. Is that is that true? Yeah, I, I think just getting into the moment. So many of us are living in the past or focusing on the future. Most of us don't even live in the moment. Mm -hmm. They so do, true. you know, you've probably seen the studies where they ask people how many stop signs or how many birds did they see or how many, you know, whatever, anything to test are you in your present moment. And I think that's what mindfulness does, even though it took me three tries to actually continue to the, for the full duration of the mindfulness eight-week class I was going to. Mindfulness has been a game changer for me. It's based on the studies of John Kabat-Zinn, and it really is allowing, it's creating, it's stepping into a practice that allows you to be mindful of the moment you're in. And I think that is the biggest gift you can give yourself if you're looking to start somewhere, is to learn to be mindful. And there's a ton of apps out there, there's a ton of courses, there's tons of things on YouTube. But I think mindfulness is one of the greatest gifts I gave myself because it allows me to be aware of those nuggets and really see what is crossing my path. Because there are no accidents and there is a ton of synchronicity. But if you are in your head planning, designing, or reflecting, you will likely miss it. Mm. Oh, that's powerful. That's our next podcast too, JJ. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to delve into that further. So what do you do then to settle in to find that energy and that place of inner alignment when life is coming at you full steam ahead? How do you tap into that and what benefits does the sort of this energy alignment and this focus offer you on the daily? Well, I would say that one, I really pay attention to my frequency. And what I mean by frequency is I mean the energy level that I resonate at. So very similar to a radio station. You know, radio station, FM radio, frequency modulation, right? What frequency are you going to elevate at on a regular basis? 
what brings you down, what brings your energy down, what lifts your energy up. And I think one of the first things that I really had to work on is managing the energy in which I wanted to reside. So there are people that when I talk to them, everything is doom and gloom, not working, not this, not that. You know, monitoring, managing those conversations so that you're in it for two minutes and not 22 minutes. Making sure that what you're watching, what you're reading, what you're doing allows you to maintain the energy level or frequency you want to reside at. I think for me, that was a huge decision and also showed a lot of self-love that I was not going to spend my time or energy on things that dragged me down. And I think in addition to being mindful, managing my frequency was absolutely instrumental. That is brilliant. I love it. And we've come to the end of this Business Life After Hours podcast, but I am feeling so focused and very energized right now with some great suggestions, and I feel like I'm ready to receive energy in a new way and to really realign. So, J.J. DiGeronimo, give us your takeaway, if you would, if there's one thing to leave us with for the After Hours success nugget as it ties to our topic of finding your deeper alignment. Well, I would say it's completely up to you. You can continue to move through life sort of as life happens to you or you can move to a life where life happens for you. And I believe that if you live in a life that life is happening for you, you are really excited and interested to be in the present moment, to see what comes your way, the connections that happen, and even how we connected. I think for many of us, there's so much out there that can align us to our life's work, but we have to be present to Mm. see it. Thank you for that. And I feel I have so many takeaway nuggets from this as well. And I feel like one of them is really that there's more depth in our souls than we often realize. And we only really just have to take the time to seek it. And we don't really, as our listeners, you know, I'm sure maybe some of them are feeling, we, we don't have to feel lost or regretful or like we don't have purpose or like we've underachieved or we have to meet expectations. But rather we can feel hopeful that we have this sort of this inner energy and this wisdom that's ready and waiting to be tapped into. So JJ, if Business Life After Hours listeners would would like more information on you, on your work, where can they find it and where can they find you? Well, I am creating a new community called Together We Seek where I have many of the energy practitioners that I have visited over the years. I've created interviews and you can connect with them directly. So that's a great place to go is togetherweseek.online, or you can find me on any social platform with the handle JJ Geronimo. Awesome. And do you have a title for your third book? I'm working on it. <laughs> All right. We can't wait. here soon. We can't wait. Thank you so much for being here, for introducing us to and opening our minds to a deeper alignment. Great to have you here on Business Life After Hours. Thank you. Find success by your own definition at your intersection of business and life on my next podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm Christy Kay. Business Life After Hours is hosted and produced by Christy Kay. Audio engineering production and editing by Chris Pfeiffer. Be sure to join Christy for her award-winning television series, Business Life 360, the third Thursday of the month on WGTEHD or at WGTE.org slash B360. Business Life After Hours is a production of WGTE Public Media.